I'm only gonna tell you this once. That is now your chair, Captain. My friends, the great experiment. The greatest trick, trick, trick. Hit it. Trick, trick. Would you look at that? The greatest trick, trick. And you people, you're all astronauts on some kind of star trick. Welcome to Greatest Trek. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the Greatest Generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Wendy Pretty. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Wendy's here on the episode today. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you. Hi, guys. We're doing it again. Yeah. Back at it with the white vans, <laughs> <laughs> asking some questions, getting them answered. Oh, man, we got so many questions this time, like an avalanche. We came up with the idea of doing a Q&A in our weekly production meeting like 24 hours ago. And we were all like, uh, is this enough time to like get enough good questions? It was plenty of time. Yeah. <laughs> we could have yeah. been ready to go in like three hours, I feel like. We got so many, I feel like we should be doing this quarterly. Yeah, we should. Just to, to move this along. Yeah. A lot of questions that could have been asked months ago. Yeah. Even. New Star Trek needs to give us a break this year. <laughs> yeah. W- Wendy, does your cat want some privacy? I see your cat taking a bath back there. <laughs> she doesn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a voyeur. She's got a lot of fur to maintain over there. So Sure. Surely. Uh, you just moved. Is, is the kitty doing well in the new place? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to tell, but she seems like there's multiple levels here. Like there's a loft bed. That we built up. So oh. There's like a closet underneath. And man, she loves that. She loves to climb up and down. And, yeah. You know, she's a happy cat. She's easy to please. That's fun for a cat. Yeah. How do you deal with a loft bed? I feel like I've never fallen out of bed personally, but I know the first time I do, it would be in a loft bed situation. <laughs> man, Are you scared of it? The climb down is rough. Like I, f- I never feel yeah. older than when I'm climbing out of that thing. But it's it's super comfortable. It's like, you know, you get into it and then it's like this little cocoon yeah. like one of those you remember the little hotel room in the fifth element where he just like slides himself in mm-hmm. that's what it feels like sweet dreams mr dallas yeah the, like the hot dog roller at, yeah. at 7-eleven but with bed material right <laughs> do you hit your head all the time no no we got enough room to sit up and stuff so okay yeah that's good yeah when we started the greatest generation my wife and I were living in an apartment that had like a loft area that was like substantially lower than tall enough for me to stand up straight in. And it also had like a terrifying, death-defying ladder. It was like halfway between stairs and a ladder, which was like, it's like all of the dangers of both with none of the safety measures, like nothing to hold on to. Yeah. The rise and run of that thing was nuts. (laughs) I got to stay there a couple of times. Yeah. It, It seemed like a threat to me. Yeah, you know, it was it was very much a threat. I do have a lot of nostalgia for my loft lifestyle, though. Yeah. Those uh, those were fun days. I like a loft and a an assault lamp next to the bed, <laughs> and uh, and something you can fall out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how yeah. I sleep. Yeah, yeah, all the best danger. <laughs> Test your knee ligaments getting out of it mm-hmm. and stuff. It's good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's the only way I wake up stiff anymore. <laughs> All right, Adam. Our employee is on the call. You said before we turned on on the mics, this is going to be uh, like any old episode of Greatest Trek. And that's right. how I'm approaching it. Yeah, we're building this Q&A as we fly it. Exactly. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, Wendy, you you put together a, a big spreadsheet. I feel like we have enough questions for like four episodes. Do you want to just start firing them at us and, and we'll see how many we get through? Yeah, I love it. So right. we got questions from all the different social media platforms where the FODs are. Even ones that we're feeling a lot of misgivings about using these days? Yeah, even those. Oh, well. <laughs> and lots of different topics. So get into it. First question. Let's do it. Hit it. Go fast. You know the greatest danger facing us is an irrational fear of the unknown. Let's fly. I'm All right. So from Reddit, I think that's your favorite social media platform, right, Adam? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> I'm there all the time. I'm still mm -hmm. on Twitter, by the way. I'm never leaving. It's getting more and more interesting over there, I feel like. <laughs> Interesting is a funny word. You know what? It It's made it simpler for me because there's so few people there anymore. Like I'm updated on what's going on on Twitter in like 30 seconds and then I'm out. I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's very tactical. Well, over on Reddit, we heard from Bulvai, I think is how you pronounce that. Oh, you're going to get in so much trouble for mispronouncing. Oh, oh no. What is it? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> oh, okay. Bulvai. They ask, if you were posted on a Federation ship, who would you want as your captain? Man. I mean, I think DeSoto is the obvious answer because that's an easy posting, but let's... What would be the toughest post? Um, like, let's go totally the opposite direction. Like, what's the worst ship that you could be on? I feel like Captain Shelby might be tough. Damn, you are ambitious, aren't you, Shelby? You definitely don't want Captain Maddox, right? <clears throat> like, the, the captain that's, like, gone fully nutso. Are you talking about Captain Maxwell? Oh, Captain Maxwell. Damn it. Yeah. I'm going to get in trouble. O'Brien's old captain. <laughs> yeah. The the soldier boy to the war is gone, Captain. I'm not going to win this one, am I, Chief? I kind of like that captain. Oh, <laughs> He was a true believer in the cause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his own cause. Not like the Federation cause by any means. It doesn't seem like Data would make a good captain. We got that one episode where he was. He would make an okay captain if you were okay with him being captain. It was the guy, like, the guy that didn't like him being captain was just, like, a synth racist, you know? Mm. Do you even need Captain Data? Like, could you just go Captain Less? Would that be equivalent to having Data as a captain? Kind of seems that way. Let the ship captain itself? Yeah, like a cool workplace where there are no cubicles or anything. Yeah. Like, we're just coming up with ideas and missions collectively oh <laughs> uh oh you know i say that word and that sounds like a different kind of ship <laughs> how would you like to serve on a borg ship maybe you wouldn't even have to be assimilated like yeah maybe you get like a, a normal cabin does the queen work like a captain or is the queen just there to kind of like slink about smugly and then the collective is still making all the decisions as a group you imply a disparity where none exists i am the collective Perhaps I should rephrase the question. There's so much about the Borgs I've yet to find out on Voyager. Yeah. yeah. I just don't know how that how that hierarchy works. <laughs> you want to get in good with the queen. If Are we calling the queen the captain of the Borg's ship? Yeah. It would stand to reason. That was sort of my question, but I think that the more I think about it, the more I think she is the captain. There's a couple of other canonical captains that I want to raise. Riker... Mm -hmm. who it sounds like if you are born again hard, you would love being on Riker's ship. But if you are at all Boimlery, it would be terrifying. But Riker of the Lower Decks series is like 
hard with a heart of gold, right? Like he's totally action junkied, but look at all the time he gives to Boimler. He's like a loving captain and also a totally insane thrill seeker, you know? <laughs> he keeps it fun, yeah. it seems like. Yeah. He's got to be the best, right? He's looking forward to his retirement where he can make rabbit pizzas in that outdoor oven. Sounds wonderful. Thank you. Okay, and then the other one, uh, Captain Jordy. Oh, yeah. Jordy is, is canonically a, a Star Trek captain in post-TNG time periods. Would it be cool to be on his ship? The coolest. Are we talking about uh, post-vision repair, Jordy? Like yeah. regular eyesight, Jordy? I think we have to be. Enhanced eyesight, Jordy? Yeah. It'd be hard to get away with stuff around it, that guy. It's like visor as ocular implants, right? I don't know. I don't want him seeing through my wall, see what I'm doing, <laughs> my quarters. Do you think when he gets a commission, they're like, yeah, we're giving you a ship. We did check in with the Daystrom Institute and Dr. Brahms has insisted that uh, you have a ship with a propulsion system that she had nothing to do with. Total bullshit, man. It's just bullshit. Yeah, like how much of an open secret is Jordy's deal <laughs> with women? <laughs> like, could you feel the lack of respect just pervade the entire ship? Yeah, yeah. It'd probably be hard for him to like pick a crew if they have any discretion on when they're whether they're taking a job that is offered to them in starfleet like does he have a tough time staffing out a ship because everybody's like i don't know man i've heard about that guy but have we ever seen a captain that had a significant other on the ship with them no right no i mean archer had his dog porthos which is a, a very intimate relationship <laughs> but <laughs> i mean michael burnham has had her special oh, yeah. person on board for a couple of seasons now. That feels like a new new thing. Yeah, but he had a, his ship is always at the cargo bay ready to go, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess my point is you want your captain to be like, you know, fully focused on the safety and efficacy of the mission, you know. Yeah. More yeah. Than distracted. Yeah, Michael Burnham would be scary for multiple reasons. <laughs> You're right. Like you don't want to think about anything else. Any of their weird issues if you're trying to do a mission. Yeah. Is it just Picard? Is Picard the best to work for? I don't know. I might have to throw Janeway into the mix. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's Janeway, then you're in the Delta Quadrant, which sucks. You know? Oh, is that part of this question? <laughs> like you have to be where where the ship is, where like its series takes place? I think so. Hmm. I think I think if you pick Cisco, you're in a war. If you're if you pick Janeway, you're in the D quad. I'm down. Cisco's an interesting choice because he possesses all of the serious qualities you want from a captain, and he's clearly able to love and show affection for people, but maybe only toward Jake. <laughs> and that would be a bummer, right? Yeah, you'd see him bear hugging his son all the time, and you'd be like. Where's my hug? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a war on. I could use one. <laughs> it's weird, right? Like uh, like you want to be you want to be close to the captain cuz that's where all the fun is. But you don't want to be too close if your captain's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> chances are pretty good your captain's <laughs> <Yeah>. weird. <laughs> that's a qualification to be a Starfleet captain, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to call this first question well answered. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think we, uh, I don't think it was definitively answered, but we answered it a lot. You, you threw a lot of <laughs> options out there. Okay. So from over on discord, we've got a question from shrug who asks, what is the most star Trek movie that isn't star Trek that you've seen recently? Oh, wow. Hmm. Movie. Star Trek. I mean, Recent. <laughs> you know what's unintentionally cutting about this question is that you're kind of asking, like, what what is a movie you had a lot of hope for that didn't end up being that good? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty savage. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have done this, but I uh, I just finished For All Mankind, the Ronald D. Moore space show on Apple TV. Oh, well. And that was as Star Trek as any non-Star Trek show I've ever seen. I've heard people say that the pitch of that show is that it's the how do you get to Star Trek from the 60s was like the idea of how they set about writing it. I love that idea if that's the pitch. I mean, after finishing season three, we've not met aliens yet. So I don't know yeah, if, yeah. if that remains to be seen, but... Well, you got to get through World War Three, right? Yeah, yeah. And then... Uh, and then the, the second Korean War, the extremely forgotten war. <laughs> Is it more forgotten than the first Korean War if it's the second Korean War? When you get to the second Korean War, it's like, God, I remember this happening before. Just can't really place it. When or where? Huh. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick was not totally un-Star Trek-y. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah. I just saw pretty recently. There are some Tom Paris qualities to the Maverick, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I've never been very good at playing by the rules. I think so. And the sort of retconning of making it like a more interesting group of people that aren't just a bunch of white dudes with great tans, you know? Yeah. I mean, instead, it's everyone looking great. Yeah. Most of them with tans. Most of them with tans. You're right. Infinite amount of tans. (laughs) depicted <laughs> combinations yeah yeah i don't know why that one popped into my mind i'm just trying to think of movies that i've seen recently the very last movie i saw was glass onion and i'm i don't know if that is a very star trek movie in any way no i mean the inside of the the office the glass onion office is kind of a star trekky feeling set right yeah. wendy have you seen that movie i haven't I, th- I liked it i thought it was good was it good yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. The thing that came to mind for me was also a show. It was um I'm not definitely not into comics and I don't know much about the Marvel universe and all that, but I watched Loki recently. Whoa. And that was felt a little Star Trek in fun ways, like alternate universes and, you know, messing around with with time and other things. So, uh, that was a good show. Interesting. I haven't seen that. So you would recommend? I would. And yeah, not knowing much about the franchise at all. It was it was a fun watch. Would you say that if your heart wasn't totally in it, you would be uh low key low key? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And if you worked in a movie theater that was screening it and uh like it was a private projection area that you you needed to get into and you didn't know how you felt about that, you'd need a low key for Loki, Loki. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. 
And if it was like raining outside the theater and there was a hole in the roof into that room, that would be a leaky, Loki, Loki, Loki. <laughs> that would be what it is. Yep. Yeah. And if you liked uh, female contemporary vocalists, maybe you'd have playing in the in the lobby mm. some lobby leaky lee <laughs> leaky loki 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 wow mm-hmm. yeah I, no i think i think that's right yeah and then if if uh, you had a little assistant that was helping you with all that that person would be your lobby leaky loki <laughs> leaky loki 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 lackey mhm yep just so we're keeping track of, you know, how that would work. Okay, y'all, let's review what we've learned. Wendy usually edits all of this out. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens on this episode. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> we heard from a very special alumnus, alumnus, right? Of Excuse you. <laughs> Uxbridge Shimoda. We got a, a question from Rob's, 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 Rob's. Hey, the great Robs. Yeah, good to hear from Robs. He asks, would Ben and Adam ever consider making a fan edit of Discovery or Picard? Would be fun to see Disco as a film trilogy. Whoa, so like turn like a season of Discovery into three 90-minute movies instead of one 13-episode television show. What would you cut? I think you have full creative control here. Yeah. I would like to see that so much more than I would like to make it. And that <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah. word I keep looking at in Rob's question. Yeah, yeah. The word edit. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> the one you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> Editing is uh, is really tricky. I, I uh, edited all of the deleted scenes out of... Uh, that were taken out of a movie back into it one time just to like... Was that the Star Trek porn that we watched of just the (laughs) non-sex things? (laughs) Yeah, I downloaded the hardcore stuff off of... uh, You got the rest of it. Off of the dark web and then Uh I edited it into what (laughs) what we found on YouTube. Uh (laughs) No, it was... was, uh, I was working in QA at a company that made editing equipment and it really taught me that like they delete scenes for a reason, you know? Uh, <laughs> but also, yeah, like there's something about like re-editing somebody else's thing that like weirdly felt like I had to do it because I we needed to test this equipment on like long form projects and we didn't have the raw footage from a, a real feature film to load into it. So I was like ripping other people's feature films and uh yeah it felt a little bit weird i was like i don't think i would ever show this to anybody because it's not really mine and I, and it's like i don't know i love those fan edits uh like when people you know make a uh a trailer for the shining but it's like a heartwarming family film <laughs> you know back when dvds were a thing i know speaking for myself like that was one of the first extra features that i always wanted to see were, were the deleted scenes yeah and you're right from your experience, like I can't think of anything else with with as much interest or with as little value. Like I always wanted to see those so bad, but after having seen them, I was like, oh, oh yeah, that's just a a scene of two people sitting in <laughs> <Yeah>. silence. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Man, did you see the Event Horizon deleted scenes? No. When we were doing the review earlier this year. Tell me more. Whoa. So. Like you thought it was gory, 
there's some really wild stuff that was cut out of that movie. In addition to just like a lot of plot stuff that you really wonder why they didn't leave it in. Like there's a whole section at the beginning of the movie that like establishes what's going on and it's just all cut. It's really interesting. You can find them on YouTube if you're interested to see them. But Was that part of the Mm. anniversary cut? Like it was kind of re-released in a way for its 25th anniversary, I think. I don't know. The footage that I found online was kind of like it wasn't full quality. So I don't Mm. know if it was ever, you know, went through the whole process. Yeah. Sometimes they have kind of a low res telecine to do the edit and then they go back and do like a, like negative cut, which is such a like weird thing that like, there are probably like 10 people left in the world that know how to cut negatives, right? Like, like actually edit a film that doesn't look right. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know if I have the guts to watch that stuff. Honestly. I know the movie's bad enough, right? <laughs> but do you think that your fan edit of Discovery or Picard, do you think there is a version of an edit of either of those shows that would improve? Or do you think we got the best version of Discovery or Picard given what we got? Like, could you addition by subtraction those series at all or or addition by recut? I feel like you could. I think that there are episodes that I think you could lose entirely from at least the first couple of seasons of Disco mm-hmm. and not like not mess up the overall story. But the thing that I feel like I'm straining against in my mind is that the pace of that show, especially in those early seasons, is so bracing yeah. that like pulling things out would have to be be done at sort of the scene by scene level and not the moment by moment level because there's just no breathing room in that show. And I think that one of the things that I love about films that TV shows still don't really have is that leisurely pace. And I guess like older TV shows kind of had that, but like the idea of like living in a moment and having it just be about character and, you know, a little slice of life is something that I think films are still getting away with in a way that TV executives are like, no, we got to move plot. We got to keep, you know, got to keep people on the edge of their seats. We have to have sparks flying down from the ceiling. Yeah, Yeah. because like when the credits roll, we don't want them to, we want them to be in like such a state that they're not going to like click to see what's in another app. We want the the next episode to start right away and and like nobody ever catches their breath. I think there's something interesting about compressing discovery into story beats that go like a fine officer having to mutiny her captain, becoming a captain, having to save the organization that she may not have believed in up until that moment from a threat of a computer that the organization made. And then what... (laughs) Wow, spoiler alert, Adam. Jeez. (laughs) What she and they do in the future. Yeah. In this weird version of this company that she has weird feelings about. Yeah. I don't know, but but it's it's next to impossible to think of 50 hours cut into three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In that way. I think you could maybe find a way to make any given season into a three. Yeah episode arc or or even just like one big movie i guess but i don't think there's any making picard like the seasons of picard are so distinct that i don't understand how you turn that into yeah its own feature length thing yeah but uh an interesting thought experiment thanks for sharing that robs hope you're doing well buddy yeah 
All right. Next up, this is, should be an easy one, maybe, from Twitter. We heard from Ryan Gators, who asked, who do you think would have a better time on the Vegas Strip, Murph or Nanoborgs? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, I would vote for Nanoborgs because I think Murph's body count would... <laughs> eventually yeah get him into that five star level where he he would just be doing nothing but fleeing from the police yeah I feel like nanoborgs would wait a while before killing someone right and also like she's just assimilating you know she's not actually like murdering per se right there's no law on the books in vegas for that kind of thing right <laughs> <laughs> i think there'd be a fun like you know, unlicensed t-shirt market. Like I went to Vegas and all I got was this shitty XB Mm -hmm. implant in my forehead. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, Murph does have the interest in lounge singing. So I suppose if, if Murph had a good agent, it is possible that Murph would have the most fun in Vegas. Nana Borgs would, would be so in device though, that I feel like she would be particularly, interesting and fun where Murph would just be so weird. Yeah. Was Dr. Girardi borgsed up when she did her lounge act? Is that the premise of this question? She was being like controlled by Nana Borg, right? Yeah. Right. Thank you for the flood of endorphins, by the way. Those nasty little stress hormones were getting in my way. But she hadn't like fully emborgified at that point. She wasn't in the, in the bondage getup that she eventually. Yeah. She hadn't gone green yet. Yeah. I think in general, Murph is going to have more fun in yeah. most situations. Do you think that Murph did that holodeck program before the pupil stage? When Murph was a larva, was that still what Murph's like downtime looked like? Or did, did Murph have different interests and then put away larva-ish things? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what happened. Yeah. We got to get somebody from Star Trek Prodigy in here to ask hard-hitting questions like these. I think one thing is clear. You see either Murph or Nana Borgs come rolling by in, in one of those Las Vegas rascal scooters. Mm. You got to give them a wide berth. <laughs> they are not stopping. Yeah. In uh, Murph's case, that would be a, a wide Murph berth. <laughs> yes, it would. Oh, God, not this again. <laughs> <laughs> From Twitter, Sean Rogers asked, if you were undergoing a serious medical operation, which Star Trek doc would you want holding the scalpel? Pulaski. Beverly. (laughs) (laughs) You know what made me say that was that scene in Star Trek Generations where uh, Lursa and Bator are watching what Jordy is seeing when he wakes up. Oh, right. And they're like, human females are so revolting. Like... If you're coming up out of a coma or whatever, and it's Beverly Crusher, like, being all nice and stuff, you feel like yeah, things are going to be that's okay. A huge relief. If you're in a serious medical scrape, I feel like you want that kind of kindness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think you're going to get that kind of kindness from Dr. Pulaski, Ben. No, she's got a- She's going to rub some dirt in you and slap you on the ass and get you back to work. There's a lot of- um... You know, a greater than average number of Starfleet doctors have that kind of brusque, yeah. like barely any bedside manner kind of attitude about them. Yeah. Yeah. But I just feel like pound for pound, the one that seems to have the most capability, aside from the EMH, who's kind of a cheat code, mm-hmm. got to be Pulaski, right? Yeah. 
She gets it done. Yeah. What about the EMH Mark Dick? Would you want to see him? <laughs> You're waking up from a coma. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing to me? <laughs> Between the threat of lobotomy and where your bedpan goes at any given point, I think we can agree that Bashir's probably not our man for being the doctor, right? Yeah. That's no good. You wake up and you're like, sorry, I know I'm supposed to be knocked out from a general anesthetic, but it smells like piss in here. Why is my catheter tube like 200 yards long and going for the habitat ring? (laughs) Great question. Okay, we heard from Shoop on the Discord. Also, kind of a related question from Philip McCone on Twitter. Okay. So they're asking, how often do we watch Star Trek of any kind when not covering it for the pod? And Philip's kind of related question, do you watch any new Trek episodes on rerun akin to how you would watch TNG reruns? And if so, which series? I think that's a consequence to streaming that is unintended and kind of sad that you can't just stumble upon new Trek. Right. You have to go and get it to watch it. and. I think that's too bad because I think that's how a lot of people might become fans of Star Trek is is through that stumble. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, as a longtime fan, a nice thing about having, you know, a cable channel that plays, you know, like, I think it's BBC America in the US that, like, occasionally will just have a, a run of TNG episodes. And I feel like that, you know, surfing around and like, oh, cool, we're in the middle of, uh, you know... <laughs> Darmok or whatever is like, yeah, is a fun and cool energy. I actually have a funny story about firing up an old episode of TNG that happened over the holidays. My folks and my wife and I uh, met up in a central California coastal town for a little beachy holiday getaway for a couple of days so that uh, the grandparents could hang out with Darone. The boy. I thought everybody was like going to bed and I like wasn't quite ready for bed. I was like, I'm going to sit up and drink rum and watch a little bit of Star Trek. And I don't know. If, I don't know if everybody else like experiences like their social lives the way I do. But like I was like, ah, the cats are all away. And now like I have the living room to myself and I like start like clicking around on TV. And both of my parents came back out and sat down and I was like, fuck. <laughs> Not because I didn't want to hang out with them, but just because I like, Yeah. I also like didn't feel great that I had just kind of like unilaterally selected what was going to be on the TV, but they seemed to be like enjoying, we were watching Ensign Row, season five, episode three. You know, we watched like the cold open and then- Hey, I've got a question (laughs) that's not on the list. What's the worst episode to watch with your parents? (laughs) (laughs) The Offspring, maybe? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's a good candidate. It's got to be the Sex Candle episode. Oh, yeah. That would be pretty rough. Perfect answer. God. So, yes, we get through the cold open and the theme music starts to play. And I hear my wife walking down the hall. She's coming out to get herself a glass of water to put by her nightstand or something. And she goes, are you guys watching Star Wars in there? Oof. (laughs) Genuinely heard that music and thought they're watching Star Wars. (laughs) Wow. I mean, that's entrepreneurship right there. I know. (laughs) 
came, she came around the corner and immediately like burst out laughing when she saw the, the hilarious mistake she had made. <laughs> you know what I love about our wives, Ben, is nothing about what we've done has changed them. No. Or, or how interested they are. In no. what we do or what our interests are. No curiosity in like what incredible Star Trek is all about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a fun little holiday moment for us. I don't flip it on the way you do, Ben. Like I don't fire up the streaming app and hit random or whatever. I Heroes and Villains is the antenna television station locally in LA that plays it play Star Trek every night in like a three-hour block. I think they go Next Generation, Voyager, Deep Space Nine. Weird order. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, it's like channel (laughs) (laughs) 15.4, and it's on every night, and I managed to see at least a little bit of it on most nights. Wow. But that's that's how I get a little bit extra. What about you, Wendy? I will definitely put on TNG every once in a while, usually not to watch it, with a lot of attention, but just to have it on. And the mm-hmm. new Trek that I'll put on, I'll definitely put on Lower Decks if I'm mm-hmm. wanting that kind of fun energy. And it's weird. Lower Decks is the kind of show that like, I always see something new every single time I watch it, which is a fun thing about it. And I this year, I actually did a rewatch of Discovery. Whoa. Because it felt long ago and far away to me. So I wanted to kind of like rewatch, especially seasons one and two. Yeah. How would you fan edit? I wouldn't. I would not attempt. (laughs) Seasons one and two, I I didn't watch them at the time. Like I watched them in the lead up to working with you guys. So I I guess I consumed them really quickly at that time. And Mm -hmm. going back and rewatching them, there's just so much story there. It's it's interesting Mm -hmm. to revisit it. Yeah, it's an insanely dense show. It made me kind of excited for season five. I'm I'm ready to see what they do. Yeah, Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about season five. Yeah, so I guess, like, I don't put it on that much, though. And I think that, yeah, that's more uh, because of streaming things than anything else. But it is a very, like, comforting thing for me to return to. And um, I definitely, like, will, if I'm just going to have, like, some chill downtime, uh, it is an easy yes for me in a way of, like, hunting through a streaming app for a movie can really get, fatiguing sometimes like I'll cook myself a big meal and sit down and like try and find something to watch and like nothing seems quite perfect right and TNG always perfect it always hits I want the second decision made for me though like I don't want to choose the episode I wish there was just a randomization button within the series that you could just hit I think that we need Paramount to focus on getting their app working just in a general way before they start adding like bells and whistles. I know. (laughs) I know you wanted a random feature button, but how about a pause screen advertisement for a hamburger? (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Or a hot dog. Hey, friend of the show, Brie Belke, sent me a screen grab of her TV. She's getting burger ads too. Wow. Not just me. Huh. I don't think I've seen that. Yeah. What did I do? It's not right. What did I do to deserve burger ads? I really recommend doing this through Prime or the <laughs> Apple TV app. Again, an idea I yeah. got from you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm getting uh, content. 
from my experience. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I get to bring that to the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All these great premises. I get to look up 1990s Sonic commercials <laughs> yeah. for the edits. Oh, no. Now I feel bad. It's like driving for a change. <laughs> okay, next up, from Facebook. I guess there's still people over on Facebook. That's good to know. Wow. We, we have a sign of life. It's from Louis <laughs> Kishkunas. It's a strangely generalized across the entire website. We're not really sure if that place is a tomb or not. Man, I'm getting some really strange readings in here. Both Ben and Adam, what are your comedy influences? Or if that's too pretentious a way to put it, who are some of your favorite comics or funny people and why? Oh, man. Uh, what a fun question. I definitely will say that like podcast influences, I would have to cite Jordan Jesse Go and the Flophouse as like things that uh and and also um stop podcasting yourself as kind of like early things that really made me fall in love with the medium of goofing around on a mic and made me want to get into it. But like for stand up, I feel like that's a very different question and I feel like I have a lot. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. What about you, Adam? Do you, do you feel like that's two different questions or, or am I making a false dichotomy there? No, I was just wondering if you were going to name all of the Max Fun shows as influences <laughs> or just if those were the specific ones that really made a difference to you. Well, I mean, I've been listening to Jordan Jesse Go since it was called Untitled Thorn Morris Project. Like, was- Oh, yeah. That should be the t-shirt. <laughs> They're constantly making t-shirts over there. They Put that are. on there. I know. I mean, SNL was my er comedy influence. Like as, as soon as I was watching TV, I feel like I was watching SNL reruns on Comedy Central. So Yeah. And Comedy Central in general, like daytime Comedy Central when I was a middle school and high schooler. Yeah. I'd watch eight hours of that channel. Yeah. Old SNL, old kids in the hall, like... Oh. Yeah, all that was on there was was great sketch. And yeah, I mean, that's, I think, how I developed a sense of humor was through watching hours and hours of that programming. And uh, that's a great answer. Yeah. I mean, I love stand-up, but I, I find it hard to like cite any particular stand-up comic as being like directly influential on what we do for me. But like I watch stand-up specials all the time. I know that you and I both go see live stand-up pretty frequently, which is you know yeah. easy to do in LA. It's very easy to see like five totally great like touring national acts do ten minute chunks in a night if you you know pick the right show out. Yeah, that's I mean for the first couple of years I lived here, that wasn't available to me. But now that you're able to go and see stuff, yeah, I mean I saw Cheng Wang do an hour not that long ago, like in person. That's awesome. It's amazing what's available to you in in LA. It really is. I love it. Have either of you ever tried stand up yourself? I have not. I've never really felt drawn to it as a thing. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just um, more drawn to collaboration in general, which is weird because I'm such an antisocial piece of shit <laughs> in so many other ways. But uh, yeah, I don't know if I have the guts for it. I think I think Adam would be a really good stand up. I've only open mic'd a couple of times, and I don't think that counts. It totally counts. But it's uh, it's scary and fun to do it and pure in a way that is attractive to me. Yeah. Not all muddied up by the bullshit that I say. <laughs> I mean, 
I think one of the things that makes, I think the thing that makes our show great is the relationship that we have with each other that we bring to it. But that also is what makes it safe to create and be weird and be funny. Yeah. And you just don't get that if you're by yourself. Right. And that's what makes stand-up terrifying and also really rewarding if you can do it well. I mean, I'll always respect that game, but I also really appreciate not being an anxious mess all the time. And I think if I were a working stand-up, going up every night or multiple times a night, which is really what's required to be good at that craft, I'm really glad people can be happy doing that sort of thing because it makes me happy to consume it as an audience member. But like, yeah, I think I would just grind myself up into powder and... I don't think I could live that kind of life. It would yeah, be it'd yeah. be too tough. I'm very grateful for the people that do it, uh, for sure. I'm glad we get to like live somewhat normal lives and then then like bring the premises of our lives to our show the way we do, and make fun of things the way that we're able to do in that way without having to leave the house <laughs> and get on a list <laughs> and risk running your light or whatever. Like, this is better, right? Yeah. It's better for me, is what I'll say. I don't want to judge anyone else's way of doing it. Tell the MC what your credit is before they bring you up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll consume all the stand-up I can. I, I fucking love it, but not enough to do it myself. We need to score a lot of black fast. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next gen skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. 
That's code TREK50 at factormeals.com slash TREK50 to get 50% off. Hi, Adam Pranica here for Podshop.biz, the easy way to dress, drink, and decorate virtually anything fast with embarrassment that lasts. Podshop.biz is not a cult, and it's not a multi-level marketing scheme. It's a supercharged carousel of crap spinning at a high rate of speed for all your dorky needs. Ordinary web stores are a mess, but with Podshop.biz, you'll find products from all of our shows referring to many of our most popular bits. Shirts, glasses, and bags from other websites can damage your mood, but not with Podshop.biz. Our nerdy, jokey bullshit will rebuild your damaged attitude and turn you into a person with riz. Turn your laptop from off the shelf to off the hook with a sticker. Make pool time cool time with our line of hilarious swimwear. And stop raw-dogging your smartphone. Strap it up with the choice of designs that'll have you go from saying hello to hello. But that's not all. At podshop.biz, you can choose from the Brenner Information Systems Collection, the Uxbridge Shimoda Corporate Collection, this old enterprise, logos for Greatest Generation and Greatest Trek, and more. Order now at podshop.biz. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. We got some production-related questions from curious viewers. So the first one is from John Willis on Twitter. We used to understand how the show was made. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> now with Wendy Pretty producing, what's the workflow? I know she edits, but what about drops? Can you provide workflow details? Wow, yeah. I guess we uh, we have talked a lot about process before, but it's it's pretty different now. Yeah, Adam and I are almost entirely out of the editing business at this point, mostly because Wendy has been so capably good at just like 
I think improving on a style that we sort of developed and uh, yeah, like I, you know, like at this point, Adam and I are sort of the editors of last resort for the shows. <laughs> like if it's not windy and we can't find, you know, a guest editor, we're always here to to step in. We always say the show is the boss around here, like getting the show out on time and any level of quality that we hold ourselves to is kind of the the ultimate goal and like whatever pathway we need to take to get there is kind of what determines like when and how much everybody is working. But um, yeah, I don't know. What, what what do you think, Adam? What's super different about our, our process now? I think I expected it to be more different in terms of what we're making. Like, I think around the time where you needed to take paternity leave was the moment we were like, well, let's experiment with taking a step back from the edit. Let's make sure Wendy is empowered to make really important decisions about how that's done and also invite a bench of guest editors in to relieve some of the the schedule tension of it. What we couldn't have known when we hired you, Wendy, was how compatible your comic sensibility would be with ours. Like, I fully expected to need to tell you why we make the decisions we do <laughs> to make funny shit on the show. And I dreaded having those conversations because I don't know how to articulate why things are meaningful or funny to me. But the first few episodes that you took and you were able to make something that made me laugh and made Ben laugh in a way that felt familiar was so... Like, I'm so grateful that we have you with us for that reason. Not just because it means avoiding a difficult conversation, <laughs> trying to articulate something that's impossible, but like, God, we it makes me feel less crazy about the things that I really care about that relate right. to the show. Like, keeping the standard as high as it is is so important, and it felt really scary to let go of many of those decisions, but like, best decision we ever made. I think there's a real magic to listening to, you know, we, Adam and I both listen to every edit before it goes out and, you know, occasionally we'll pitch another thing to add or, you know, Wendy, you'll sometimes have a question like, does this work? Or is this, is there something that could go here that you meant to go here? Cause occasionally we'll say, you know, Adam and I will say things with a drop in mind for that moment. But like, Honestly, like 95% of the time you are like so good at anticipating all of that stuff. And also like some of the magic in like pulling a, a reference from like a weird movie or TV show that like you'll drop something and be like, I'll be like, I thought I was the only person in the world that knew that existed. Mm -hmm. And I think about it all the time. I cannot believe Wendy knew that that existed and put it in, in the episode there. Like, I don't even know if I would have thought of that. That's so funny, you know? You know what popped into my mind when you said that was that line from Jurassic Park where the little girl goes, It's a unix system. <laughs> I know this. <laughs> yeah. It's like such a random little drop. But, but yeah, workflow now, I mean, we work completely online. So that's really convenient. Like we're asynchronous. Yeah. I mean, you guys basically drop raw audio onto the Dropbox for me and I turn it around as a show for you guys to listen to. 
and get notes from you, which are always super helpful. And I think kind of inject like a little bit of, you know, that sense of humor that I don't have naturally, you know, into the show, which is important, I think, for the listeners. But I think the point is you do have it because yeah. you're doing really funny stuff in the edits. Yeah, but it's good to have a little bit of you guys there, too, you know, <laughs> in terms of what's getting dropped in. So um, I think it's good to have your input into it. And in terms of like making drops and things, we, we've had some really amazing guest editors this year contribute some of that stuff as well. That's actually the next question is someone was curious. Um, Meredith Young on Facebook wanted to know more about the guest producers. Is yeah. it a matter of necessity? How do people get these opportunities? And how do you keep that consistent tone when working with different people? We've been lucky to have, what is it, like five different people work with us yeah. on shows yeah. this year. I think all of our producers were people that we interviewed for the job that you eventually got. So these were familiars to us, at least. Right. And they definitely all have the chops to edit a show, you know, so yeah. it's just a matter of getting the tone right. Yeah. And I think that we've uh, been, I mean, we were so lucky, We, I th you know, when we put out there that we were looking to hire somebody as a full timer, like we got dozens and dozens of like incredibly good applications like <laughs> it was really hard to narrow down so the people that we've brought on as guest editors were people that we you know really liked what they did and we and there was also an audition process after the initial narrow down where we sent raw episodes out to people to edit and show us you know like we looked at their audition files and saw what they you know how they went about organizing a project and also listened to the episode and listen for the funny and we were very lucky to find a whole bunch of people that could hang so i think like our goal with the guest editor hires is basically to like make sure wendy doesn't go insane with too much work right and to bring in you know people whose work we really love and kind of try and spread that work around so that we have a bunch of people that are like out there and capable and know our process and and that way, like, there are fewer points of failure because if, you know, if one of us gets sick or, you know, something happens where somebody can't pull the edit, like, we have a lot of fallbacks now, which, you know, it's kind of a miracle that we went for as long as we did with, like, zero backup yeah. built into the system. <laughs> yeah, I never would have bet that. And I love betting things, but that, that seems <laughs> amazing that we made it six years into not dropping an episode for some unplanned reason it seems like the most natural thing ever it would have happened totally and now we're in a place where that will never happen yeah ever never. <laughs> not a chance i would say that the guest producers often have a really strong grasp of like the voice and the comedy they're all really talented and i don't feel like we often have a ton of notes for them either like i think that's God, how did we get our applicants? Wasn't it just one episode that we put in the feed where the, we did an ad saying yeah. that we were hiring a producer and based on that one ad placement, we got all of these great candidates. And I think that really helped us get good candidates because if you were listening to that episode, it meant you were a subscriber to the show. Right. It meant that you listened to the entire show. And if you're that type of person and also of those abilities... Like, I think that kind of self-selected them into our candidate pool and it made them totally viable guest 
engineers for us going forward. Like we didn't have to tell them what our show was about or where you should put the drunk Shimoda drop. Like I so imagined we would be hiring someone cold and be like, okay, this is a comedy Star Trek podcast and the format <laughs> yeah. is this. And this is when that interstitial goes. And it's so great to have skipped all that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, I felt that way about Rob's too. Like when when Rob's mm-hmm. came on and started making what was then the greatest discovery and is now greatest trek with us. Like he did the homework and yeah. learned our style and uh, did a great job reproducing it. And Adam and you and I were like terrified of relinquishing edit control of our shows to anyone for a long time. And I think like having taken that leap of faith now, I'm I'm just so pleased that we got as lucky as we did to find the the people that we've gotten to work with on it because all I could think of were were the downsides and the potential disasters in bringing in outsiders. Sure, because if you if you get it wrong and it doesn't matter what sort of work you're in, if you make a bad hire, it you put yourself behind for sometimes years. Yeah. In either training them up into a place you want them to be or having to replace them down the road when things just don't work out. Like this could have gone really bad. <laughs> and especially after Rob's left, like we were, there was a month or two where we were really floating, just yeah. trying to figure this out on the fly. So yeah, I'm I'm glad and grateful that we ended up where we are for sure. Indeed. Hey, me too. Okay, next question from the Discord. Volpezia asked, with having screeners for New Trek lately, do you find it hard to engage, pun intended, with mm-hmm. the conversations when the episodes are current because of the time delay with recording pod? Or do you watch the ups again when they drop for everyone else so that you can be part of the conversation? Man, that is so insightful because I definitely yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like part of it is also that we're embargoed and sometimes Adam and I will be like three, four, five episodes ahead of everybody else. And so, like, something that has made a cliff kid of all of the friends of DeSoto one week will be something we know the outcome of. (laughs) And it's so hard to be, like, especially on social media, like, in the fray, talking about something where you have to, like, pretend or, like, remind yourself, like, wait, what has happened? Mm -hmm. Like, what would people know at this point? What am I not supposed to say that I know at this point? Have you ever fucked that up? I feel like I've come really close to making reference to something in the future completely by accident. Right. As a way to answer a question or involve myself in a conversation. I think I haven't, but that's just because I've been like so just disengaged from, you know, like, you know, every Thursday when a new Trek episode comes out, there's tons of posts all over every social media website about it and a lot of the time it's like lively and fun and something that I would be Mm -hmm. like super into but I'm like always too scared to engage uh, because I know like that's exactly like one of my brain's greatest weak points is like forgetting who knows what about whom you know like (laughs) I'm always like blowing that with you know like my wife's friends like oh she doesn't know about this thing that's going on in our family so don't bring it up and (laughs) I'm I'm like ah (laughs) like so many dinners out that I've driven home from. I'm like, I'm sorry, I forgot. I forgot that they didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah, I think the other thing that complicates it that maybe the viewers out there may not 
realize is that we're always working on more than one episode at once. So you guys are recording yeah. the thing. I'm editing the thing. You're QAing the last episode. And then the, the episode's also publishing that week. So like there's usually like four episodes that are in some part of the process every single week. Yeah. Right. It's kind of fun for us because like by the time I listen to a QA, it's like, oh, what was this episode about again? <laughs> and I'm like re-familiarizing myself. Right. Um but that can also happen like three or four days before that episode comes out. And then, you know, it's back to like not being something I can like perfectly reconstruct in my memory. So, yeah, I mean, I think that like that would be like the main regret I have about the having screeners lifestyle that we are currently fortunate enough to have. But um, all of the like not having to turn episodes around in like two or three days blood and guts work stress of it yeah dude i mean if you're asking me if i would trade back the screeners lifestyle for participation yeah. in social media conversation then <laughs> not in a million years yeah <laughs> now i like the deal we got <laughs> thanks yeah and i mean the screeners have come differently this year too like back in discovery we were getting one week at a time mm -hmm. and then for the last couple of series, we've gotten big chunks of like five or more episodes. Yeah, yeah that's been great. Yeah. So that lets us work ahead even more. All right. At Ebone on Twitter wants to know about tour plans for 2023 and if there's Ooh. any Vegas convention meetups or cabana parties in the works. Yes and yes. <laughs> Star Trek Las Vegas is on our calendar. Yeah. We are trying to do a tour. We're working on a plan for it and we don't like... We don't even know like what part of the year or anything like that. We do know we'll be in San Francisco at Sketchfest on February 2nd, greatestgentour.com. If you're in Northern California and want to see us, that'll be the last double dumbass show that we do. That's right. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we're hoping to do kind of a, a tour of a similar scale this year and if we're very, very lucky, maybe add one or two international stops that we haven't done before, but we don't have anything to announce yet. It's a, it is a lot contingent on the people that book our tours going out and like seeing if there are deals to be made with venues that are a good size for us. And that's like a process with so many variables. It's maddening. And, you know, like this last tour had to be rebooked three different times, I think, because we, you know, canceled it when COVID first happened. And then we had to cancel it again when, you know, the next wave came and we got, I, you know, like we got really lucky with the last tour when we did it because there were other podcasts and other acts that, you know, we're friends with like touring musicians and other touring podcasters and stuff who either like got sick on tour and had to like cancel a bunch of shows or like dealt with shit like, you know, the tour van broke down, but all tour right. vans were <laughs> claimed all over the country. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's not even to mention like the, the system of live show production being frayed to the point of collapse. Yeah. Like visiting the venues that we had been at over the years and seeing those same friendly faces just fucking beat yeah beat from what the last couple of years have been like and feeling like our show could 
be a good time for them too was one of the best parts of touring was like to go back out to not get sick or feel like we got anyone else sick but to also like try to help a production industry that I really care a lot about and we both have a lot of friends in like the people who came to our shows made that possible and I'm looking forward to going back out again in order to do it you know totally yeah so definitely keep an eye on this spot for an announce and we always say like go to gach.biz slash mail and sign up for the mailing list because that's uh, usually we send out an email as like the first wave of announcing any live shows and um, we definitely want to do more stuff like that and we also had such a great time doing that live streamed one or I guess it was like it was like streamed to tape <laughs> mm-hmm. taped tape to stream, to stream. <laughs> yeah <laughs> So we we uh, are definitely considering doing something else in that vein as well. So um, yeah, keep your eyes on on your email inbox and on on these shows, and uh, hopefully we'll have some fun stuff to announce. I don't know, <laughs> nine months from now, six months from now. Wendy, you got to come to Star Trek Las Vegas this year. We got to make that happen. I think we can make that happen. You know what? I've never been to a Star Trek convention of any type. Well, now it's part of your job, so you have to. Yeah, I think I think it's happening, and I think that's going to make some fresh content. <laughs> Wendy's first convention. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot to see there. I do have a little portable recorder, though, so I can walk up to people and get show intros like oh, Rob's, yeah. Rob's, Rob's, Rob's did. Wow. Yeah. I'm ready for it. Amazing. <laughs> Refill the well. <laughs> okay, so on Twitter, we heard from Miss Bowser. And she asked, do you have any other great ideas for bonus episodes, other podcast formats or ideas not related to Trek that you're considering? Also want to know more about Wendy Pretty. What got you into podcasting and when did you start watching Star Trek? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're always like trying to think of more fun things to do in the bonus feed. I talked to two of the three guys from the Flophouse on a recent trip to New York about maybe doing another collabo with them. Uh, we just have to come up with what movie or thing it would be. <laughs> Somebody gave us a copy of the Turkish Star Trek movie. I think it's like a Turkish comedy star who made a totally unlicensed <laughs> Star Trek film that is like just directly takes the plot from a TOS episode. And uh, we have like a <laughs> like DVD of that that I've I've always thought would be a fun thing to review for an episode. But um, also, I don't have a DVD player, so it's like a there's a bit of a t- technical hurdle to get over. Yeah, should have gotten the PS5 with the disc drive, huh, Ben? Hmm. Yeah, but it's I wall mounted it behind my TV, and the one with the disc drive is so much thicker. Yeah, the regular one barely fits back there. It is a thick king. But I don't know. We've got like a spreadsheet of ideas, right? There's that's somewhere. Yeah, like. How many other shows like have the sandbox for this? I really like the position of being able to get weird in the bonus feed and try and stuff out. Yeah. I know we've got some interesting ideas for the year ahead. I don't know if we're ready to talk about them yet, though. Mm. <laughs> All right. Got to do the pilot of the Windy show. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> yeah. Don't quit. No, no, no. Don't leave, Wendy. Don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> She's dropping her headphones. <laughs> God fucking damn it, Adam. Fuck! We were just talking about how that whole thing made our lives possible, and now you just scared her away. Fuck! 
Yeah, that's usually your move, huh, Ben? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Miss Bowser, I started watching Star Trek in the 1980s when TNG was on the TV. (laughs) And this is a funny, kind of a funny, kind of not funny thing, but I was raised in a really conservative household. And some of my earliest memories watching TNG were about getting the like counter narrative after the episode ended. Whoa. <laughs> so it's like like the episode would do its like, you know, preachy message and then I would get the counter sermon. So um yeah, I've watched Star Trek, you know, since TNG was on on television and and as for podcasting, I've just worked in radio for about 20 years now. So a lot of the same skill sets and kind of wasn't looking necessarily to get into podcasting, but I heard that ad <laughs> and it was like, this seems like it would be a really fun change of pace. So here I am. How did you get into radio and broadcasting? Like, tell me about the the time in between. Like, yeah. maybe the Star Trek fan goes to high school and then what? <laughs> yeah. So I was living in New York City on 9-11 and the household that I was in, we didn't have a TV. And so the first thing we did was turn on the radio to like get mm-hmm. the news and see what was going on. And I think I don't really remember listening to much radio before that, but from that it point was Howard forward, Stern. <laughs> I did actually listen to some Howard Stern back in the day. A lot of people did on 9-11. That that's why I asked. Yeah. I don't remember listening to him that day, but um but yeah, I think from that point on I was really started to like rely on radio more. And I think anyone who listens to radio knows how large it looms in like a daily routine once you utilize it in that way. So um, definitely got really into radio and wanted to go back to school and do audio production, you know, get trained in that stuff and and learn more about broadcast communications in general. So that's my story with it. If someone were interested in going that route career-wise, like did you go to a technical college or did you just go as a as a student of a college trying to figure out what your major was and you just ended up there or, or how did that work? Yeah, I went to just a regular kind of four-year university and pieced together like a general studies type degree that had, you know, some interactive arts in it, some audio, you know, studio production, and then like communication studies as well, like Mm -hmm. historical radio. I was really into old time radio as well for a long time. And so kind of like the history of broadcasting and and all that stuff. How much hosting did you get to do uh, from then up until now? Not much at all. That's so interesting to me. Like you're, you're primarily into the production of it. Yeah, I've always kind of wanted to be behind the scenes. I don't have a lot of uh, ambitions <laughs> for being a, a host of any type. Um, I think in radio, hosting is a lot more scripted anyway. You know, it's very, very produced and, and very scripted. So maybe that would be something I would be more interested in than doing like a off the cuff kind of podcast thing the way that you guys do. I'm always amazed how much you guys talk and how <laughs> consistently funny and interesting it is. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were heading in a different direction with that. <laughs> 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 you guys really yammer a lot. <laughs> Was your experience in radio useful at all for what you're doing right now? Like, I'm, I just wonder about the comparison in your work experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, radio is a total beast in terms of like, it's on 24-7 and you got to feed 
feed that beast and, and put high quality stuff on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I mostly worked in fundraising and some other production related roles at other stations, but man, you got to be ready. The clock doesn't stop for you in radio. So you got to be yeah. there early. You have to be prepared. You have to, you know, have it together. And especially in live radio, all that work, all that investment of time and energy has to happen before it's time to go on the air. So yeah, I mean, learning how to plan content into the future, you know, learning how to put a production schedule together that's not going to consistently be like, you know, a stressful behind the deadline kind of situation is definitely a big part of what I took away from my time in radio. And, you know, just learning about how, like basically learning about the flow of content and what keeps people's ears and what, what can stay and what can go and like what's moving the conversation forward, I guess, um, in terms of the actual editing. Mm-hmm. I have to say when we decided that you were the person we wanted to offer this job to, Adam and I both had conversations with like references that you gave us and like talking to like people with pro radio voice on the other end of the phone was like That's such a trip. Like I was like, uh, am I speaking directly to morning edition? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then when you started recording like the credits on the ends of episodes, it was like, man, Wendy has like a, 10 out of 10 megawatt radio voice. You're too nice. <laughs> it's really incredible. Like, does that just like rub off on you from being around a radio station? Like I listen to myself on tape and I'm, I still cringe all the time. <laughs> no way. You have a great voice. <laughs> I do. And I, and I use filler words that you never use. I'm just, I'm, I'm the worst. <laughs> You're the best, Ben. You're really good at your job. You're doing and, great. And Adam is the second worst. He's also bad. <laughs> you're pretty bad, Ben, but you're not the worst. <laughs> I think also I got really down on myself for years just editing my own. I think my edits sound really choppy in retrospect because I was so self-conscious about how much stammering and you know, recursive speech I do where I'll start a sentence and I'll kind of correct myself on the fly and stuff. And Oh yeah. Having an editor has been great for my confidence. I (laughs) I completely agree. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have one last question for us to, uh, to round this app out, Wendy? Yeah. And I, I will say we got so many great questions, so I'm sorry if we didn't get to your question this time, but let's end it with Jeremiah on Twitter who asked, what would Ben and Adam like to see more of from Star Trek? Such a great question. I think that um, Strange New Worlds started to head in a direction that I think feels really promising with some of the social progress stuff that I think disco feels very self-conscious about. And I've talked to tons of people who had like really powerful moments watching disco and, and seeing themselves represented in Star Trek for the first time in a way that felt like so long overdue. But the way that disco does it in a way that sort of feels like it's almost turning to the camera and saying, okay, like we are making up for a wrong that Star Trek has been doing for a long time now and we're making up for it explicitly here in this scene. I think Strange New Worlds does such a great job of just letting a cast of all different kinds of people be all different kinds of people in a cast and it not being 
as focused on the kind of atonement element of it, which I think was important. Like I don't, I'm not knocking discovery for doing that, but I'm hoping overall Star Trek shows that they're making now can kind of start to just tell stories about all different interesting types of people and get past the feeling of we have some, some wrongs to, to make up for, because I think that like the downside of those scenes is that they kind of come across as didactic. Like we're setting the story aside. We're setting the adventure aside to speak directly to the audience about something that isn't necessarily about the story or the adventure. And I think it's powerful and important, but also it's powerful and important to just have adventures with diverse casts. So like Star Trek starting to live up to its values. And now that it's doing a way better job of at that than it ever has before, let that just kind of be a part of the texture of Star Trek and something that we can look forward to lots of interesting types of stories going forward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, show and not tell actions, not words. Like this is the way I like to learn things. This is the way I like to grow as a person. It's fun to recognize a message by thinking about it instead of hearing it yeah, over and over again. And that's like one of the things that was so great about TNG back in the day was like realizing as a kid, like, oh, these are kind of little morality plays that have a, mm-hmm. a takeaway that we can, you know, take or leave, but think about and think about like, do I agree with the choices that the characters made? You know, are the... <laughs> Are the characters making the wrong choices in in the opinion of my parents? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like at the risk of running the show over, like I kind of want to circle back to something you said, Wendy, earlier about like, if you're watching a show that is trying to present the idea of a better future for everyone, and that is a show that is either being subtle about those messages or is highlighting and underlining them repeatedly, which is the show you think you could have got away with watching at home with the family dynamic that you had? Because I think it might be hard to have a message like the messages that new Star Trek has get through in a household where it's hard to consume things like that without having the channel turned by an overprotective parent or something or, or, what do you think about that? Like part of what's great about old Star Trek is, is it kind of like snuck the goals in like past the goalie, right? Right. Yeah. The parent goalie. And I don't know if new Star Trek can do that or it has a harder time with it anyway. There was like that, I think like a Fox news article that went around when strange new worlds came out that, you know, people passed around just to laugh at how dumb Fox is, but it was like, you know, like has has Star Trek gone woke? And it's like, (laughs) have you ever seen it? (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I thought that that was particularly funny since I felt like Strange New World had such a light touch with that compared to some of the other new Star Trek shows that are are out these days. So I think they're on the right track with a lot of that stuff. And I think that overall New Trek feels like it is getting better. And, like, each show is, like, figuring out what it can be in a universe where we have five or six Star Trek shows coming out in a given calendar year. And... So um, I'd like to see more and better of the same <laughs> mm-hmm. and more like weird sci-fi ideas, you know, like I think there's so many like crazy gee whiz sci-fi ideas still out there and unexplored. Like 
I was watching a YouTube video the other day about how the universe, like there's like galaxies at the edge of our like perceivable universe that are traveling away from us faster than light speed. But it's not that they're moving, it's that the universe is growing. So like space is getting bigger and it's such a like a mind shattering. Like I'm sure I'm like completely butchering the physics of that, but like, God, like space is getting bigger. And you can't move it through it faster than a certain pace. Like, how are both of those things possible? <laughs> like, and how many kids are plugged into cities, running them <laughs> off of their kid power? Yeah, yeah. So, like those two things, I would like to see them explore <laughs> further. <laughs> we need an episode of a, about a kid plugged into a power plant every season of New Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Why did the scientists keep making them? <laughs> with that, I think we should probably wrap it up. Wendy Pretty, thank you so much for sitting in with us today. It has been a little slice of heaven to have you on the show. I know that the friends of DeSoto love to hear from you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's been a great year. Thank you, guys. Thank you to the friends of DeSoto. I so appreciate getting to make the show every week, and it's been a fun year. Great questions this round from the Friends of DeSoto also. Thanks for writing those in. Indeed. Hopefully we'll do this a little more often. All right. Uh, Wendy, you got some credits for the people? You have some P1s, mister. Oh, crap. (laughs) I guess we'll record those and then you can come back and do some credits, all right? Okay. Thanks, Wendy. Bye. 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 (laughs) Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Ben, we got a couple of Priority One messages here. The first one is of a promotional nature. Whoa. The message goes like this. Has your favorite social media platform become a tacky, Cardassian fascist eyesore? Yes. Looking for a community without all the baggage? Yes. Come aboard the USS Hood for your voyage into Mastodon. Let Captain DeSoto and the kind folks at Friends of DeSoto.social guide you on your journey through the strange new worlds of the Fediverse, which wow. I, I'm going to choose to believe is not the Kevin Federline universe <laughs> of things. <laughs> In a community, you can be just a little bit embarrassed to be a part of. I thought the Fediverse was like the network of websites surrounding FetLife, the kink and bondage mm-hmm. dating app. <laughs> right. Uh, this is F-E-D, though. Oh. So there we go. Visit friendsofdesoto.social to set up your Mastodon account and let some of the friendliest nerds on the internet show you around the Fediverse. You know, you keep saying Fediverse, <laughs> Captain DeSoto. <laughs> I don't think Fediverse is going to catch on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm excited about this. Friends of DeSoto.social. I, I think I may have set up an account there at some point in my, like, you know, being awake at 4 a.m. looking mm-hmm. at my phone because baby. Sure. But I got I to gotta start posting on there. I, I, I got to say, I, I, I do miss that other website, but it is unusable now <laughs> to me. I am not currently auditioning myself for other social media sites. I have not signed up for anything else, but were I to do that, I'd go over to Mastodon and uh, join friendsofdesoto.social. I've heard great things about it. Yeah. Everyone's saying great things (laughs) about the Fediverse. 
Adam, our next priority one message is to El Farto. <laughs> and it is from Chilling on the Chaise Lounge in Chi-Town. goes like this. Missing your voice during drive time here in the Southland. Hope all is well and that you're keeping the scurvy at bay. That's a reference to K-Pod, my, uh, my other podcast. Oh, I'm glad you said that. I wasn't sure what that was in reference to. <laughs> my non-expert Shimoda podcast. What's the story with that? Is that coming back? Yeah, we've been talking about uh, sitting down to record some new episodes sometime soon. We got asked to like do a little writing project with it, and I'm not sure if that will go anywhere or not, but that sort of wound up taking up all of the spare cycles that either of us had, you know, aside from actual paid work, which K-pop mm-hmm. <laughs> never was. So we got a little bit sidetracked there, but I'm hoping that we can, you know, see that project through and also get back on recording episodes because we've had so much fun making that show and uh, I miss it, honestly. I just don't have any free time anymore. <laughs> yeah. 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 Where can people uh, find episodes of it and so forth? It's kpodd.fm. It's also on all podcast apps there you go well if you have a social media place for friends of desoto to hang out that uh is not currently circling the drain (laughs) or maybe you have a question about a uh, podcast that suspended production last year Mm. temporarily or uh i don't know well wishes to a friend or family member a notable date or occurrence maybe you just want to make a joke Go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where your message can be read live to tape. And uh, in so doing, you're going to support the production of this show. We thank everyone who does. Thank you. All right, Adam. The Drunk Shimodas slash Edward Larkins slash Barnes Franks's for this episode are us. Let's throw the pod keys to Wendy to, uh, to take us over the finish line with some credits. And uh, she'll tell you about some stuff we got coming up in upcoming episodes of this very podcast. Can't wait to hear. Can't wait to hear the best voice on Uxbridge Shimoda. <laughs> By Country Mild. Jesus Christ, he has a good voice. What the hell? Greatest Trek is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, and it's produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. Thanks again to everyone who sent in a question for the show today, and a big thank you to Bill Tilly for helping compile all of the questions, and of course for running the at Greatest Trek social media pages on Instagram and Twitter. Adam Ragusia created all of the original music that you hear on this show. Make sure you're subscribed to his podcast and YouTube cooking channel. We'll be taking next week off while we're between Paramount Plus shows, but we will see you in two weeks for a very special episode featuring Adam Ragusea, where he'll join the guys to talk about the music of Star Trek. Nick Dittmore created the show art, and he also helps out over at podshop.biz. Check out the store for a good laugh and maybe find something for yourself for a fellow FOD. And a big thanks to the members who are supporting Greatest Trek at MaximumFun.org slash join. You are helping to make this audience-supported show possible. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks on Greatest Trek. (laughs) Shh, you need to shut it. (laughs) 
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.